You are listening to the number one Toyota truck and SUV podcast, Toyota Trucks and Trails, with discussions from restorations to racing, interviews with folks from all areas of the Toyota community, product and event reviews, and much more. We are sure to offer something for you, so sit back and enjoy the show. Hey everybody and welcome to Toyota Trucks and Trails podcast episode 17. I am your host Jason Hoffman and with me as usual, I'm going to cut him a break again tonight because it's been a long day, Rich LaRusso. How are you doing Rich? <laughs> Thanks. Thanks because coming up with a rebuttal was was just not in my in my seasoning today. It's been it's been a long hot humid day. Uh, of course, uh, I you know, up here in the northeast we can't talk about temperature because most of our i think a good deal of our listeners are in much hotter regions well it uh it was actually cooler today than it has been and i I was a little frustrated with that fact considering i was out in my shop from about eight o'clock yesterday morning till well after 11 last night uh (laughs) and it was uh oh it averaged probably around 105 to 110 degrees in my shop all day yesterday so oh uh, ouch it, it probably would have been a much more comfortable day today, but nonetheless, it is what it is. So, so, so you really didn't need any penetrating oil. You just had the sweat. Yeah, just just let just let sweat drip off me onto you know onto rusty bolts and whatnot. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's about the so, extent of it. So that implies uh, forward motion on the on the forerunner. Uh, man, we're we're gaining on it. The rear suspension, I got it all completely all the new parts completely installed last last time i was home last weekend and uh still have a few minor adjustments to do and and go over everything one last time and make make sure everything's tight but it's sitting where it's supposed to be Um, i'm really happy so far Uh, at least i was able to remove my inch and a half daystar spacer that i had to run on the driver's side for the past three years to uh, (laughs) to get it set level and uh, with these uh, these new Superflex springs, they are a side-specific spring. We definitely figured that out after installing them once and having to pull them back out and swap, <laughs> and swap sides. But uh, uh, I knew that going in. I misread the tag on the on the spring. And, fair uh, enough. Fair enough. It uh, it was a frustrating error, but uh, <clears throat> and in that heat, nobody's thinking straight. Exactly, but. Got got that done. Got the the new shocks on the rear. Discovered uh, probably a huge part of the problem. I had a a broken shock on the back. One of the one of the Bilsteins had uh, the uh, top stem had broken off, and uh, how I missed that all this time is beyond me. But um, I have admitted before that <clears throat> my job of doing maintenance on this truck has not been up to par, and. Uh, I'm ad- admitting my faults to shame myself into doing a better job. So it's definitely maintenance uh, and, and upkeep and going over stuff is going to be way higher on my priority list. But uh, like I said, got the got the back done, and, and I have had a uh, a noise coming from the timing belt. I, I assumed for, for a while that it was a, the water pump, but decided it was definitely time to uh, to dig into that. So the timing belt and water pump and all the the internal pulleys have been changed and uh had a little bit of noise coming from the ac compressor and and got that that took care of and a new pulley on that or new bearing on the 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 clutch assembly and and a uh, new idler pulley on that 
got the uh, the steering rack uh, pulled out, and and the new one is is back in. Still have a few things to to uh, get put together on it, but uh, moving along, definitely definitely gaining ground. And I I would really like to take a take it just a second here to uh, to give a public thank you to my youngest son who without his help and determination and uh, spending far more more hours out in my hot shop while I'm not home than I have while I'm at home uh, digging into this stuff and, and getting stuff tore apart. Um, he completely removed the, the steering rack for me, and, and by the time I got home, he had the uh, the front cover completely off the motor down to uh, – he was a little intimidated about trying to take the harmonic balancer and lower pulleys and that kind of stuff off the crankshaft, but he had everything else ready to go. I just, uh, Christopher, I want to tell you thank, thank you publicly. I, I appreciate all the help. And we thank you too, Christopher. You know, we got to keep this guy going here. He's, he's, you know, he's not getting any younger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he will openly admit that. <laughs> openly admit that. We're on your side, Christopher. <laughs> But uh, anyhow, yeah, it uh, there there are still going to be a few things that I was hoping to get done before before roundup that chances are are not going to happen. Um, I'm very rapidly running out of time and equally rapidly uh, running out of finances that I I thought were going to uh, thought were going to happen. But that's that's cool. The tires that I'm a little bit fed up with will have to they're going to have to do for a while. For a couple of reasons, I don't want to buy a new set of tires and put them on till I have the time to put into, uh, like I've mentioned on previous previous shows, do the rest of the clearancing that I need and uh, get some, some bump stops put where they need to be and, and that kind of stuff. So uh, so I'm not tearing up a new set of tires, and I'm, I'm definitely not going to have time to invest in that. So the, uh, the tires that I have will will run me for a little while yet I'm, I'm not terribly pleased with them but they'll have to do the job well we'll just let a couple more pounds of air out of them you know uh before before i broke it at uh g-smitter this year folks may may remember that that have listened to those those episodes before that i had actually planned on not not taking it and uh it was a last minute minute decision to take it. Well, when I did, I had not done my normal get it back to driving condition from uh, the event before that Mardi Crawl. So my, I was still aired down because I had, tra- I had trailered to Mardi Crawl and I aired down when I got there. I, I never aired the tires back up; it just sat here aired down at the house. So when I loaded up to go to uh, to G Smitter, I was still aired down, and. The tires I have do a fantastic job of, of holding pressure when I have them aired up to road pressure. But when I when I air them down, they don't do such a great job of hold, holding air over time. And uh, the one day that I got to ride it at G Smitter, I had several people ask me, Lord, what are you what are you aired down to? <laughs> them tires look awful squatty. And it hadn't even I hadn't even thought about it. I it hadn't even crossed my mind. But at some point throughout the day I kinda glanced at at the tires and I thought, Wow, maybe I should have checked the air pressure in them. So when when we got back off the trail the the, the one day that I got to ride, I checked them and, and uh, I was aired down way further than I had ever been before but wow did that thing ride smooth over the rocks it it was incredible 
Were you in the single digit range? I was in the single digits. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, maybe, you know, one could argue, maybe if you were at a higher pressure, uh, you wouldn't have broke anything. Well, (laughs) in my defense, the, the morning that, that I broke right before we hit the trail, I aired up to what I'm normally aired down to, which is about 15 pounds. And I didn't even make it down the connector road to the trail. So maybe I should have left them below single digits, like you said. Maybe it's the fact that I heard the tires up that, that uh, ended up breaking. I don't think so, but, you know, maybe it doesn't make me look so bad. <laughs> I don't think you look bad at all. Stuff stuff happens, and, and that's the end of it. I mean, we're, we didn't... Uh, we didn't take on the, you know, most uh, perfect hobby, you know, and, and uh, so a lot of people think, well, if you're not breaking anything, you're not doing it right or you're not having enough fun. Mm, that could be argued, but uh, hey, you know, stuff happens, not necessarily your fault, you know, so <clears throat> um, and, uh, you know, in the future one day we'll have to talk about airing down a little bit. Um, you know, that's a bit bit much to dig into tonight, I think. Yeah, absolutely. We may have may have lost a few few people just with that comment, but we'll get into that another time. <laughs> but, uh, uh, enough about me. I, I'm uh, just just finish up uh, uh, about me. This episode will be coming out. I, I, we are not going to have another one before uh, roundup. I don't think so. This will be the the last episode before roundup. But it is looking very promising that for the most part. I will have uh, have the old forerunner put together and and uh, ready to go. So, I, I think we might. It's only uh, roundup so what three weeks away. So we yeah. uh, we might never uh, know. Okay, it could happen. Could yeah. happen. We'll, no promises. We'll see what happens. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyway, enough about me. What's going on in Rich's world? Well, um, <clears throat> uh, just just as you are, I'm I'm getting working on prep for the for the roundup as well. I have a uh, new front bumper coming in and, you know, we can talk about that more when it's actually here and on the truck and blah, blah, blah. Uh, So in anticipation of this, um, I said, well, you know, this, this new bumper is going to be a little bit heavier than the bumper I have now. So maybe I should check that my, uh, you know, adjustable coilovers are not frozen because I'm going to need to adjust them for the new bumper. And I would rather get that out of the way before the bumpers on the vehicle (laughs) uh so one is in great shape but the other one is frozen so i have a spare ring Um, i had one freeze uh i believe it was last year i may might have been two years ago and when i ordered the parts i of course was smart enough not of course but i you know this time was smart enough to order an extra adjustment ring so now I've got to just pull the shock off, which isn't bad. Get it in a spring compressor and take it apart and dremel off the old ring and put a new ring on. So it, it, it's not a horrible job. Um, the spring compressor is actually the more annoying part because you can't just use on these adjustable coilovers. You know, the shock body is threaded. So if you use one of those um, screw type uh, spring compressors there's probably an actual technical name for that type of spring compressor but you know the kind i'm talking about they sort of hook around the coils and you tighten the bolt down and it squeezes the coil down right um the the hooks on them tend to drag across the aluminum threads and wreck them 
because it, you know the tolerances are kind of tight there's not really enough room for the hooks so i can't uh can't use that kind of spring compressor on it so i've actually got to find a shop or maybe go to harbor freight and just bite the bullet i don't know how much there's costs but neither either way i i need to find a way to compress that coil so that i can uh, cut the ring, old ring off put a new ring on and uh, when i did the other side that froze i anti-seized the ring so this side obviously didn't do that i had um, worked the adjustment ring out when it was free and put a little anti-seize on but apparently it's just not doing anything so i'm gonna have to get involved with that project <clears throat> other than that i've been really working on my cargo storage and my the interior of my vehicle and just because you know the tra these these longer camping trips and all this travel you know when you have an suv you have you have to deal with uh, storage bins so i grab some front runner storage bins and i'm trying to organize and lay things out in a way so that when i need something i don't have to unpack the entire truck to get to it <laughs> <laughs> is that is, is that possible? I, I will definitely be following along with whatever you're doing because uh, I, I deal with that on a, a regular basis. And it seems like no matter what I'm hunting for, it's always at the bottom of the pile. I've, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, modular storage systems are great in that way where, you know, you, you uh, save a lot of weight. But, yeah, you do have to. So <clears throat> in terms of how it's organized and where things are stored and, you know, uh, sort of the blueprint of it, you know, that that's kind of what I'm working on, something I had never really put time into before. It was always like, open the back of the truck, look at everything, look at all my crap. Well, let me try sticking it in this way and shove this in here and stuff that in there. And, you know, I'm just tired of doing that, just completely sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and the thing is, a lot of people like the storage bins and you know, these kinds of stuff. But I'm just finding that a lot of these drawer systems and stuff use so much weight that it's sort of counterintuitive. You know, you, you after a while, your storage system starts weighing more than your gear. Right, right. And uh, it, 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 to me, that just seems like not the, not the angle I want to take. Plus, it's a daily driver. So living out of tubs, totes, whatever, boxes, at least I can take everything out, put it in storage, and, you know, I've got an empty truck again, you know, and I can drive around, do whatever I want to do. <clears throat> so, um, you know, you've got that compromise. I think, like you said, I, I don't I don't think it's possible to completely get around having to unpack everything. But I'm trying to do it in a way where I guess it's less painful. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know from the pictures that you've been posting on, on uh, social media and that kind of stuff, the the setup or the direction you're going looks looks like it's been going to be really cool when when you're done i'm being inspired by you to try to do something different with mine i i built a drawer a, a, not necessarily a drawer but a slide for my my toolbox i've got a a rubbermaid box that i <clears throat> carried recovery gear and, and tools and that kind of stuff in for a long time but i always had to pull it back a little bit to get it open so i went ahead and put it on a slide and uh, then I built a drawer right next to it, and that that works pretty well. But it, when when I did that, it was kind of a rushed together deal, I guess, for for lack of a better term. But I'm, yeah, it works. But I, I 
kind of wanted to do it to see whether I would like that kind of system. And I think I do, but it, I need to refine it a little bit more. The one that I did, I don't have, I probably don't have $20 invested in it. So it's not like I spent a, a huge amount of time and um, it was just a, a day and a half or so of putting it together and that kind of stuff to, to see if it was going to work. Now that I, I kind of know what I want and, and know some of the drawbacks to, to what I have, I can sit down and, and really figure out what I what I want to do different. On top of that, I recently purchased a uh, a CO2 tank and that kind of stuff that I didn't did not have when I when I built the original setup that I have now, and uh, I need to figure out a way to uh, to incorporate that in it so I can fit that in there and keep it inside and that kind of stuff and hopefully figure out a way to utilize it. So when I you know drive around air down to six and a half psi, I've got my own <laughs> my own source of air to air up with. Yeah, the the that's that's so I I ran the CO two tank uh, for for quite some time and and now that I moved the compressor, you know, now I have to look at new and exciting ways to uh, uh, reseed a bead. So you know, which which is actually exciting because it involves flammable materials and we love flammable materials. Sure. So, uh, but, um, what's, I, I mean, the thing is, you know, when I first got into this stuff, I would look at other people's setups and I'd be like, wow, that's overkill. I'll never need all that. But then after having done some trips and over the last few years, you know, having to actually work with it and decide what, what to bring, what not to bring, what might I need, what I'll never need, all that stuff. Now I'm seeing why people do some of those more elaborate situations um so you walk that fine line between between keeping it light and modular so that you can easily take it back out but being able to get to it you know because if if i'm stuck and my recovery gear is buried i i'm hating life unpacking all this crap on the trail you know uh and and if there's an accident or rollover or something like that you know loose stuff in the truck is could really hurt somebody or worse so a lot to think about, but uh, I'm trying to stay on top of it and go in a positive direction with it. Trying to keep it inexpensive, affordable, not investing in real fancy, expensive equipment. Couple of pieces, you know, like the compressor that was that was a big investment, but otherwise, um, really trying to keep it uh, in a sane in a sane place because it's just cargo. The beauty of it is a lot of the summer gear. Uh, because it's in tubs, you know, in the winter when it's not going to be used, I just put it on a shelf in the garage and call it, you know, I can visit it again in six months. Um, so, you know, good storage containers are are certainly worth it. You know, so I've been through several of the Rubbermaid ones and they uh, tend to crack and get brittle in the winter. And I've had some issues with those. So I, I went with these uh, <clears throat> front runner packs and They've got a uh, rubber seal on them, so we'll try them out. They're supposed supposed to be um, able to be used on a roof rack, so we'll see how they hold up. Very cool, very cool. I look forward to to re- your uh, your review on that after a little bit of time passes. And uh, those those were thanks to Steve Springs at South East Overland who who uh, got them out to me pretty quick. Working with Steve's always a pleasure because free beer hair beard hair in, uh, free every order. <laughs> No comment. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, seeing as how we've started picking on Steve. 
<laughs> we never stopped. Uh, very true. Very true. <laughs> All righty. Let's see. We've we've got an interview for a main topic. Is there anything that uh, that you want to get to before we do the interview? Um, I, I did want to take a couple of minutes. Uh, social media in the Toyota community especially has been exploding over the last few days. Have you seen what's been going on, Jason? I, I have. I have. Yeah. Um, so for, for those who haven't checked in on it or only read a little bit about it, I'll bring you up to speed. And, and for those who, who had a ringside seat to the, the circus, for lack of a better term, uh, you already know the story. So correct me if I'm wrong. But basically, uh, now, I don't want to name names. I don't want to point fingers. I don't want to say it was this website, it was this guy, because I don't think that that's really the point. The only thing I'll say in advance preemptively is that the person in question, the perpetrator of this deed, has uh, vowed to make it right and was driving seven hours back to fix it. So good on him or her. And, you know, let's keep that in mind as we go forward. But basically what happened is out in Moab, someone wrote uh, in Sharpie marker on some rocks and they tagged their their website and their Instagram and their uh, their off-road club, which was a Toyota group. Uh, I won't say the brand of vehicle, but you guys can fill in the blanks yourself. It's pretty high profile out there and easy to find info on. Point is, um, so, okay, they wrote on the rock with Sharpie marker, which in, it, it was land managed by the Bureau of Land Management. So it falls under their rules and their laws. So writing on the rocks is, you know, illegal. I guess, you know, I don't think it's a federal crime or anything. I, I really don't know. I'm no lawyer and I'm not going to pretend to be a lawyer. I don't know the ins and outs of the laws or, or uh, actual laws. Point is, you're not supposed to write on the rocks. Okay, fair enough. You could get a ticket, go to jail if you write on the rocks. Okay. So some people did. And the community instantly reacted. And it wasn't just the Toyota community. I, I believe the initial outlash was by uh, Moab residents. Now, someone may correct me on this, but that is my understanding of it currently. I may that, be mistaken. That's kind of what I got, too, from, <clears throat> from the reading that I've done on it. So uh, it was called to attention. And, you know, the Toyota community was very outspoken on it. And the we went we, we saw the reactions in the Toyota community went from honorable to embarrassing. And I think every level in between. Uh, on the one hand, you had people who said, well, they just wrote on a rock in magic marker. And then you had other people that said they I believe there were some death threats. I believe the person who did it, uh, I saw firsthand him say he had received death threats. I had seen people say things along the lines of, you know, that person should be hung, you know, things like that. So it turned into a witch hunt on this, this poor, poor guy or girl really turned into a mess. And, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of tread lightly. You know, I think it's, what we what we need to look at doing moving forward now a lot of us you know drive our toyotas and off-road parks and stuff like that tread lightly in an off-road park not really a big deal right why would it be the land is set aside for 
the specific purpose. So let's just right off the bat, let's just get it out of the way. We're not talking about wheeling and off-road parks, <laughs> but when you're out there on trails, you know, especially, especially federal land, protected land, things like that, lands that is in dispute, <clears throat> you really have to take care and you really have to think. And, you know, it might be fun to tag your name or carve your initials into a tree. That's not what we should be doing. Okay. Um, you know, I, I just think at this point in time, <clears throat> everyone's got stickers, patches, t-shirts, let that be your way of getting your message out. You know, writing on the rocks, carving on the trees, not so much. Not really a good marketing tactic in the, in the uh, modern era we're in now. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. What they did was, was wrong. And, they, it, you know, the community made these people aware. And they said, okay, we're going to make it right. So that's all fine and dandy. <clears throat> the people on the other extreme, the people... The other extremes, I should say. The people who don't realize why this is a problem uh, and the people who think people should die over it, you know, both you guys need to get a handle on what you're doing. You know, pull your head out, as they say. That's not representing the community any better than writing on the rocks. I'm going to jump in and, and just say that I, I couldn't agree more. The extreme comments that were were made in my opinion, make the off-road community as a whole look equally as bad as uh, riding on the rocks. Um, Uh-oh. You've got company, Rich? No. Not. <laughs> it's probably just a raccoon in the garbage can. Okay. I, you know, if you need, need to get the door or whatever, just let, just let us know. Uh, anyway, I, I think that the offhand comments and, and off-color comments and, and, and that kind of stuff. I understand that, that people are passionate. I get that. Um, I'm equally as passionate. But, uh, folks, when, when we get carried away with with things like this and the general public sees that, um, uh, it, uh, it kind of makes the community look like a bunch of buffoons um, <laughs> a, as a whole. I... I when it's one comment after another, after another, after another, like that, you know, the 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 general public, they're gonna look at at the bulk of what it, you know, what's being said, and uh, that's the opinion that they're gonna run with. So, I just, again, my opinion, I, I wish that people would have tamed it down a little bit. I know that uh, moderators of several Facebook pages were were struggling desperately to uh to keep the 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 really insane comments to to put it mildly uh to a minimum but uh does there need to be a certain amount of ret- retribution do the people that did this need to be held accountable most definitely but it's it, we as a community we we did our part by calling them out we we did our part by by letting them know that they were they, they were out of line and uh like like rich mentioned the the from from our understanding rich and eyes i mean that the the people that were were accountable or or you know were responsible are making taking steps to make amends and uh you know there's something to be said for that as well and whether they're they're doing it for what is perceived as the right reasons or wrong reasons is not our 
that's not our decision as a community to make. It, it's up to us to uh, to simply appreciate the fact that they they acknowledge that they did wrong and that they're trying to uh, trying to to uh, at least seeing the the error of their ways. I guess. I'm pretty sure that they're never going to do anything like this again. I, I would bet money on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think uh, you know, and and you know, normally shaming isn't uh, isn't really the most productive way of of uh, you know punishing crimes, but uh, uh, you know, in this case, I, I think it may have have had an effect. And and I, being that people go to such extremes, which is the nature of people. Not everyone is as balanced as they should be, right? So based on the fact that everyone went to extremes, you know, I think the entire community knows that this kind of behavior is not going to go unnoticed. And if you have a business or a, a um, you know, a blog or social media thing and, you know, you tag your stuff, it, it's really going to work against promoting your your thing so and i think ultimately and sadly that will be the end result is you know this person who who tagged themselves i don't know so much that their intention you know i don't really agree that their intention was to promote their blog no uh, i i I actually read a read a deal um read a, a a post and and i'm not sure where it was somebody had done a screenshot and reposted it and, and if it's accurate, um, again, it, I, I just caught it on social media. The reasoning behind doing this was the, one of the people involved was just super excited to be there, you know, was, was looking at the, 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 the pictures that they were taking and uh, were, were super excited about it and left their, their Instagram tag to uh, or Instagram address, whatever it's called on illiterate when it comes to that kind of stuff but, uh, <laughs> but so uh so other people could tag this person in their pictures so they could see other other people's pictures from the same place and uh bad judgment bad bad judgment but at the same time a completely though though terribly irresponsible they the reaction was it, it, yeah it, it was uh Stupid. It, it was. I, I'm trying to think of the right word, and and yes, uh, that that definitely fits the bill. But I don't think that the the thought crossed their mind that uh, that they were doing anything wrong. Not, and and I don't mean to to, to put that lightly or to make them sound completely blameless. Uh, yeah. Right. It, it was. Uh, it was a dumb thing to do. I, I said earlier that uh, these people have been called out. It's been pointed out to them. They get it. A- at least I believe they do. And, and like you just said, Rich, I, I don't think that uh, at least this particular group of individuals will be. Uh, I think that they will have a whole new respect for land use. Yeah. My only fear is that their respect for land use is more fear of the backlash than really understanding why this isn't the thing they should be doing. Well, that that was the point that I was trying to make when, when I kept getting tongue-tied there. <laughs> I don't think that they meant... 
they, obviously they didn't think through what they were doing. I think had they, I think that uh, without the excitement and, and the immediate, the immediateness of being in the moment, uh, if they would have took a few minutes, that that they would have realized, yeah, m- maybe that's not the best idea. And uh, I still don't know if I'm getting my my point across the way that I would like to, but that's that's kind of the crux of it. Yeah, and the the other thing is. Even if they had, you know, I'm sure they knew, well, you know, this probably isn't, isn't that great, but it's, it's not a big deal. It's, it's not permanent. And I guess there was some other graffiti there as well. And so, you know, they sort of figured, well, this isn't, uh, this is just Sharpie on a rock. And, you know, to that point, Sharpie doesn't last forever, right? It's going to fade or wash off eventually, you know, I don't know how toxic it is to the soil. I'm not going to even speak to that stuff. I have no idea. I know in Moab they take people going off trail and things like that very seriously. You're not even supposed to step off the trail in some some areas. And there there's a legitimate reason, you know, for, for which is to not damage cryptobiotic soil, things like that. <clears throat> you know, I get it. Um, I wish more people did. But there's all kinds of crimes I think people commit every day, okay? You know, I rolled, accidentally did a rolling stop at a stop sign the other day. You know, maybe if the state trooper was sitting right there, I would have gotten a ticket. You know, this is just an example. This didn't really happen. <laughs> but the point is, is, you know, there's different degrees of, you know, is this illegal to do? Yeah, but is it something we should have a witch hunt over? Certainly not, Okay. Um, especially in light of that, you know, the person responsible has been called out doing something. But I think one of the things I found just as disturbing as the death threats are the people saying, you know, really, really what I felt to be ignorant, really, really ignorant statements. Okay. Now I felt it was ignorant. That doesn't mean it is. It doesn't mean my judgment on their comment, you know, is, is the, the monument on which all things should be judged. Sure. But in just in my opinion, for someone to say, hey, cavemen were writing on rocks, you know, hundreds of years ago or the uh, indigenous peoples of the American continent. I'm trying to be so politically correct right there. And I, I just am failing because I don't you know, when I was when I was a kid and went to school, we still called them Indians. And, I, you know, I just can't even keep up anymore. But uh, the point is, is, you know, sure. Yeah, they drew pictures of horses on cave walls. Well, they didn't have, you know, pencils and paper, and they didn't have uh, an easel and and uh, canvas and paint, oil paint to, to paint their pictures. Uh, so it's a, comparing someone writing something on a rock in Sharpie, which isn't a big deal, but comparing that to indigenous peoples writing on cave walls years ago has to be one of the stupidest comparisons I have ever heard in my entire life. But this was something I that recurred people several people said it in several different places and i'm like what people really think this way you can't compare these two things it is just (laughs) you know you're completely removing the context and you know just downplaying the whole situation now writing on the rocks not the end of the world but it is not cave painting either you know and they're just stop comparing those two people it, it, just stop. 
<laughs> Please, you're embarrassing all of us with right. that crap. Right. Um, it is something that, you know, should be taken seriously, but it is, you know, and, and hats off to the people who kind of kept it in the middle and kept it straight and narrow and realized, well, this isn't the worst crime in the world. The guy's doing something about it. He doesn't deserve to die. He doesn't deserve to have his name dragged through the mud as it is <clears throat> with what's already happened. He's going to suffer or his business or his club or, or whatever. He's going to suffer because of this even if he does everything right. So, you know what? Let's let it die. Let's let's just okay, we all learned something. Let's let it die. But you know, for those of you that may not be from the Moab region and really don't understand why this is a big deal to people who live there, <clears throat> I really encourage you to you know, spend a little time, especially if you plan on spending time there, to see why this is a big deal to these folks and to the Bureau of Land Management, you know, and to the people that want to close trails down. Here we are again, talking about trails getting closed down. You know, get involved with Tread Lightly. Take their free online course, please. You know, make an effort to educate yourself. You, you can't really spout off until you fully understand the situation because I think it's easier to understand why people freak out and go to extremes over things like this if you understand where they're coming from. Well, I do, but I guess not necessarily a but. <laughs> um, common sense on both sides of the issue goes a long way. Co common sense uh, on the, the part of the people that that, that perpetrated it would, would have the issue would have never never took place. Uncommon uh, sense, Jason. Uncommon sense. Uncommon sense. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, but common sense on the 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 other side of it on you know the. I, I guess, folks, the, the point that I'm I'm trying to make is that uh, at the bottom line, um, in a lot of ways, I was really appalled by some of the comments that I read. It's aggravating to me. Again, I understand people are passionate. I completely get that. Completely understand it. Whew. Some yeah. of the uh, some of the some of the things that were said were uh, ridiculous. Just ex exactly and ridiculous. Uh, again, it. Uh, I, I said it a little while ago, and I'll I'll say it again. It does nothing for the face of of the community. It does nothing for the face of the Toyota off road community. But uh, give the general public just another another thing to try to use against us. And uh, Lord knows in this day and age with, uh, like Rich said, you know, battling to keep lands open and battling to keep trails open. Uh, we, do, we don't need any. We don't need to give the, the public any more ammunition. Let's be a tight community. I, I completely agree that we need to police ourselves, but we need to police ourselves all the way around. Just letting some of this stuff go and fly on the way that it that it did there for a couple of days, I find completely, completely nuts. But there's also the tree falls in the woods idea of all this. In other words, if a tree falls in the woods uh, and no one was there to see it, did it fall? So if you you do something you shouldn't have done, okay, and and. You know, I know I'm not encouraging anyone to do this and do things they're not supposed to do. I'm not. But if something happens and you're doing something you're not supposed to do 
posting pictures of it on social media may not be the best option for you. Just throwing it out there. If you're breaking a rule, committing a crime, and you post pictures on social media and people flip out about it, there's you, you've just added insult to injury for yourself. Right. Well, Rich, I think we've done, you know, equally the same same thing that that uh, social media did with this topic and beat and it to death. Beat it to death. But folks, we just we just wanted to get out there for whatever reason. I, I feel like Rich and I's uh, opinion um, was on par with each other, and it, it was just something that we we thought we needed to talk about for for a few minutes. So, and and we care about not only you know Moab and Moab's rocks. We care about the Toyota community and everybody in it. And that includes the people who make a mistake sometimes, as well as everyone else who is silently judging them on their mistake. Absolutely. Well, Rich, do you have anything else you want to add on this topic? I, I think this horse is dead. I don't know. Give it a couple <laughs> more whacks and see. Uh, I think it was dead five minutes ago. but you know. oh, man. <laughs> I don't want to hit it anymore. That's animal abuse. <laughs> for, for the folks that didn't see it on social media, you'd understand why we may be a little long-winded about this topic, but you have to understand how it really dominated the community over the last, basically the last week. Um, just people really going crazy over this topic. Yeah. With doing the show, I, I follow a lot of Toyota-specific uh, stuff on social media. It was just in my face for a couple of days there every day, um, oh. all, all day long. It was posted somewhere on a Toyota group that I follow this morning and people were reacting to it because it was the first time they had seen anything about it and they were reacting in exactly the same ways. And then other people were sitting there trying to calm them down saying, no, 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 you know, this, this happened and the guy's fixing it. And, but the reactions haven't changed. And, this is another thing about the way social media works. Not everyone sees it on day one. Right. And 30 days from now, that is going to be posted on some tree hugger group. And no offense, I, my truck has been known to hug a tree or two. But, um, you know, uh, uh, someone who's you know really against us is going to see this a month from now, two months from now. And it's just going to never end. But anyway. We're we're gonna end it on on this show for right now it. anyway. <laughs> we're ending it. <laughs> All righty, M- moving on. What what else do we do? We have anything else before we get to uh, get to our interview? Well, no. I I think this was a constructive thing to talk about, and I think if any of our listeners have feedback, we would love to interact with you and get your your thoughts about. Oh, it. absolutely. Tell, tell yeah. us we're full of crap. Correct us. Tell us you disagree and we're stupid. We don't care. We want to hear it all. Absolutely. Yep, we uh thick thick skins around here. So you've got this really cool interview coming up. We we we've got a really really good interview with uh Brian from Front Range Off-Road. Brian was gracious enough to give us a good amount of time and and we talked a lot about Front Range Off-Road and uh diamond axle housings and my favorite topic going on with with Front Range off, Off-Road right now. Uh, to those of you not in the third gen forerunner world, you might may find it kind of mundane and boring, but uh, I brought it up a couple of episodes ago, and I have posted the article on our Facebook page a couple of times, and along with this uh, 
this episode, I will probably hunt it out and, and post it again. But the guys at Front Range Off-Road, Brian, uh, w- was in the mix with this, uh, decided to uh, to do some things with a third-gen 4Runner that I just found absolutely fascinating. Well, I, I won't get into it. We'll just let uh, we'll just but get Brian. into get into the interview and, and let Brian talk about it. Uh, if you're ready, Rich, we'll move into that. Let's hit it. All righty. Okay, on the show with me today is Brian Ellinger from front range off-road how you doing today Brian? doing great all right uh really glad to have you on the show and and look forward to uh to having some conversation you guys have got some really cool stuff going on uh there in your shop and 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 thereabouts and look forward to getting into it and talking to you about it a little bit yeah, absolutely well to to get things started here w- would you mind just telling the listeners a little bit maybe about the history of of uh front range off-road how you guys got started and how long you've been around and in the industry? Sure. Uh, the uh, the business was formally launched, I want to say, in 99, summer of 99. At the time, we had, I think, four products that we brought out, which would have been our crossmember and skid plate, our full float kit, uh, twin stick, and I just had the other one on the tip of my tongue, and I can't remember. <laughs> it's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a bit, so... Things progressed from there. We've brought out some products. Uh, we used to do a front bumper, in fact, years ago. That one's long since been discontinued. And then in uh, about '02, we picked up a Tacoma to start uh, what has now become Diamond Axle. So yeah, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> is is Diamond Axle is that a separate entity from front range or is it are the companies kind of one in the same uh, the companies are one in the same uh diamond really got launched um because front range is all really toyota products it's a little bit less custom if you will you know a twin stick goes in a transfer case it's a set length things like this um the axle housing's really we saw quickly on this was going to snowball rapidly from just a Toyota eight inch housing. Um, at this point we do nine or 10 different center sections, you know, Ford stuff, Nissan stuff, 14 bolt dropout. Um, actually I think we've got five or six Toyota dropout centers that we support. So we realized that, you know, having two, if you will, what is now viewed as two different companies on one website, trying to manage and organize that website so it made sense to anybody was going to be an absolute disaster. So, and also, obviously, axles go into everything. So we didn't want to have a guy with a, you know, at the time, let's say a guy with a, a Jeep YJ coming in and going, okay, well, I see cross members, I see full float kits, I see twin stick over here this is all toyota stuff what am i doing here i'm in the wrong place and at the same time we didn't want you know someone looking for a toyota stuff coming in and saying well i see a ford nine inch and some dana 60 stuff and where's my toyota parts 
So we figured it was going to be an absolute mess. We said, you know what, we really need to kind of split these. Um, so it's laid out, if you will, for whatever reason, the analogy that pops into my head always is Pepsi and Sobe. Um, Sobe is part of PepsiCo, but it's a completely different line than sodas. It's a completely different image. It's a completely different demographic even. And uh, so that was kind of how it works. So Diamond is a, if you will, the axle division of Front Range. That makes complete sense, total, total sense. As far as with, with Front Range, did you guys kind of start out, pardon me, just as a, 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 a custom shop or, or was the intention from the very beginning always to be uh, to kind of manufacture well, you, you kind of cut out there for a second, but as far as... Uh, I, I was asking, um, when, when Front Range first started, were you guys just kind of a custom shop or was the plan always to, uh, to, uh, manufacture product? Um, yeah, actually the, the plan was always manufacturing. Um, we've actually never done any install work. Um, the, my background prior to, launching front range was uh i'd worked in a shop at one point and decided i really didn't want the the extra load or headaches or however you want to look at it of dealing with customers vehicles and and that level of of stuff um it's not you know a horrible thing and quite honestly we're even looking at at doing it now but it's there's a real big communication that has to happen uh, when you're working on somebody's vehicle and doing modifications to it, you know, what exactly are you doing? What are you, you know, what happens if we run into a roadblock here? If there's a, a change of direction there, if there's a product that doesn't work out, if there's an install that should have taken an hour that takes two days, you know, there's, there's, it's a whole nother step and a whole nother level. So ironically, Front Range was, Almost never planned to be a company at the time uh, before formally launching it. Um, I'd actually approached um, another company that currently exists um, about selling some of the product, and they, you know, sold some of it here and there, kind of thing, and but said, you know, we've got enough other things going on that we really can't can't jump into to handling more different things, and uh, so we said, well. I can either take all the work that I've done and throw it away <laughs> or I can start something new. And at the time I started as a, as a side business and I mean, rock crawling and, you know, 96 and 97 wasn't, I mean, you told someone you had a rock crawler, they just kind of looked at you and expected, a, you know, a, a harness and ropes and carabiners, you know, the, a, a rock crawler, you know, rock crawler vehicle was, you know, not a, a household name by any stretch of the imagination. Sure. So, well, you get you guys have def- definitely taken that to uh, to another level in in many ways. Well, that's certainly what we're trying to do. So, appreciate the feedback. <laughs> Let's see uh, what are uh, what are some of the uh, the products that that Front Range has to to offer right now. Just just kind of a general overview not you don't have to get real specific but just some of the things that might interest some of the listeners if they're if they're not familiar with with you guys uh sure sure um i guess like i mentioned earlier uh some of the earliest the first things we brought out um 
we were the first company to bring out a twin stick for the Tacoma transfer case, or sorry, Toyota transfer cases. So we now cover nearly every transfer case from uh, the pickups and foreigners and FJ cruisers from 79 through the current stuff, as long as it's, you know, a part-time case. Um, the uh, We've done our full float axle conversions, which gets them from, you know, a semi-float drum brake setup into a disc brake full float setup and jump into chromoly shafts with that. We've done those for almost 20 years for the pickups and the forerunners, uh, Tacomas. The, uh, we just recently brought out kits that actually bolt on to the FJ40 and FJ60 and 62 axle housings. So we can handle all those, get them longer splines so those guys can use uh, the e-locker diffs that are found in the rear of the FJ80s. Um, so a nice option there. I guess with the full float, we just recently brought out, um, if you've ever heard the term derotor, um, it's a combination drum and rotor. So your your rotor and caliper, if you will, is your service brake, it's your hydraulic brake, and your drum is a small internal mechanical e-brake only drum. It's how all your roughly, well, in, to, in Toyota world, your 03 and later Forerunners, all your FJ cruisers, all of them run them, and we've been able to actually utilize those brakes. So the, the rear brakes that are found on the back of those Forerunners, we can actually utilize on all of our full float kits now. We can get that onto all those uh, earlier model drum brake rear ends, all your FJ40, FJ60 pickups, Forerunners, first generation, second generation Tacomas. So we can really cover everything and really get those brakes updated. Very cool. The, the, my my one dra- drawback to uh, to Toyotas has always been the uh, trying to think of a polite word to use the crappy drum brakes that they've always, <laughs> always had. You know, and I I've I've scratched my head on that one for a long time. Um, I mean, the the new 2016 Tacoma that Toyota's been touting up, or you know, they they tried to touted up i guess a bit and we're looking at it going wow it's still got drum brakes really like you guys did this you know and uh so at the same at the same time you know i go well i guess we just need to make a kit that fits these it fixes this right right you know open open up the market for y'all anyway so yeah, due to it, <laughs> due to their lack of engineering, engineering or I, however a person wants to look at it, but uh, yeah, yeah, and they, it, thank the Lord for the aftermarket, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we were talking kind of before the show. You know, if, if vehicles were were all built perfect and engineered just so, and everything just worked so wonderfully from the beginning, well, guys like me wouldn't be in business fixing them. Right. Right. You know, and improving on them and that kind of thing. So it would just be, hey, hey, this is just great out of the box and it's wonderful and away we go. We are uh, so. as consumers, we're glad that there's guys like you out there that that give us options. Uh, as, uh Lord knows that factory engineering is not always uh, always where it should be. Sure. Well, or, they've got a, a price point to hit and and uh, all those kind of things, and then, well, what's this general demographic going to be? And you know, and I think there's also the, the piece to the puzzle of, you know, well, we're selling this vehicle to the guy who's buying the new car. We don't care about the guy that's buying the five-year-old car, or the ten-year-old car. 
you know. Absolutely. Who cares about that guy? We need to sell it to this guy at the front of the line. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, that that plays a huge part in it. And, uh, yeah. Again, I, I, I said it kind of jokingly a minute ago, but thank the Lord for the aftermarket. Um, <laughs> you guys that take the initiative to dig in and, and figure out how to improve stuff and, and that kind of stuff. It, uh, I, I don't, I don't know that, that the general public shows, shows you guys enough appreciation. You know, you, you read on the forums and on, on social media and that kind of stuff. Uh, people had bad experiences with this company or that company. And, and uh, that's not to say that there's not bad companies out there doing shabby work, but sure. Uh, you know, I, I think most all of you at, at, at least at the bottom line, you're, you're doing your best to improve on a, an, an existing platform. And, uh, Sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And some people sure. have sense enough to pull out of it be- before before they, they get a bad name of their own. And other other guys have have the initiative to, to drive forward and, and correct their own mistakes over time. And Certainly. I, I think that uh, that's kind of what, what uh, makes companies sink or swim. But um, I, you guys are definitely staying at the top for sure. Well, we're certainly trying to, um, you know, it's like you mentioned with the forerunner project we had going, um, you know, that's wanted to do something new, wanted to push the envelope, wanted to really play around a little bit, if you will. Um, you get kind of, kind of bored in your own, um, I don't know, this is how things work. This is how you do things. And well, it's how I do it may not be what you want, you know, so we have to sit back. Um, and actually going back to what you'd asked prior is, you know, as far as, um, you know, custom builds and that kind of thing, the, one of the other reasons we decided not to get into too much of doing builds is there's kind of the cookie cutter thing that can end up happening and whether it works or not, it just ends up kind of stale, you know, and usually a cookie cutter build, if you will. They usually work very, very well. That's why everyone continues to to repeat them, kind of. Thing. Right, right. Um, you know, but uh, it. I don't know. I like different. I like. Uh, I really enjoy talking to a lot of our different customers. I mean, we get guys. You know, the guy with the work truck who bent up his axle housing and doesn't want to just replace it with something else that's going to fold up. You know, the guy that's racing KOH. You know, the guy that's building a, a recreational family wheeler, the guy that's building, you know, a mud drag truck. You know, there, there's so many different things, you know, and you talk to guys in other parts of the world. Well, the guy in Alaska doesn't have the same demands as the guy in Southern California or even close to the guy in Iceland. You know, so it's it's really interesting trying to work with the customers and find what they need to fit their particular builds and uh, you know their situations their environments their their use um, you know the guy and a uh, heck I've got customers that build on different platforms I've got myself I've got a you know foreigner that's no I'm keeping this straight I'm not dinning it up I'm not going in those trails because I've been in those trails with a body rig and I know what's going to happen right I'll take the buggy out and go play on those trails, you know? So, you know, what do I want this one to work like? What do I want that one to work like? What are the needs of these things? And, and, uh, any more buggies have been around long enough that 
the guys that I know that have been wheeling a, a built truck, if you will, for five, ten years, well, they're building buggies now. <laughs> they're keeping the truck, but they're building the, the, quote, mild family wheeler. And the guys with the buggies are building the mild family wheelers. <laughs> so, you know, it's not a, uh, a one-size-fits-all, this is the build you need, this is the vehicle you need even, you know, it, you got a family of five They're Yeah. They might not be real comfortable in a first gen foreigner. Right. I, I run into that all the time myself with, with, uh, with my wheeling rig. Primarily I'm a trail riding guy. That's, that's what I enjoy. I not a big, big rock crawler, not, uh, you know, I, I, mine's a little beat up, but it, it, I try to keep it nice and that kind of stuff. But there are those occasional times and those occasional parks that we go to where, my forerunner just doesn't fit in. There's not trails, uh, enough trails to make it enjoyable for me. And I really wish I had something that I, I don't want to say that I cared less about, but something that was more adapt to that style of wheeling, because I do enjoy it, uh, at certain times, just not in the particular vehicle that I have right now. So that one size fits all vehicle, like you said, is I really think it's a unicorn. Yeah. If, if somebody's found it, I, I'm I'm happy for them because uh, I I definitely have not so sure sure yeah and I think you know obviously we do you know primarily Toyota stuff here and uh, even then you know there's pick any platform you want and we can pick it apart you know there's there's shortcomings to all of them they in my mind they they get about eighty percent of it right but uh, there's definitely yeah. Wish they'd have done something here. Wish they'd have done something there. Sure. You know, so it's sure. uh, it's how it goes. You know, the older trucks, yeah, you know, solid axle, yeah, tough truck, yeah. Well, an 82 cab isn't so fun for a guy like me who's 6'2". That, that's, cabs are a that's bit me. cozy. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm about your same same size, and I feel exactly the same way. I've Yeah, that's... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've I got a guy that works for me that wheels one of those. I get in it to move it around the shop. It's like, oh my god, get get me out! I got to move this thing a hundred yards. It's just, I'm folded up, and he's tall too. And he's just, no, it's fine. Yeah. You're crazy. <laughs> to each of their own. I I, uh, I am thoroughly a SUV guy. I've got uh, a, a couple of forerunners. I've got a first gen as well, and and my third gen and I, I love the idea of being able to move that seat back as far back as I can get it and then lean it back a little bit on top of that. So sure. Uh, I, I've had a few, few mini trucks over the years and I'm with you. Uh, I love the way they look. Uh, I, I think they are a very cool platform. I just don't fit. So I, I'm with you a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, our, my first, uh, truck basically that more or less launched the company was a, a red 85, that uh, was a standard cab short bed truck, you know, like so many of them are, and uh, got my wild hair to decide, you know, that extra cab looks pretty sweet. It's like, well, that's only nine inches more cab. And I tell you what, for for wheeling with one other person, that is still by far my favorite size cab. It's just enough room you can shove a sweatshirt, coat, you know, parachutes whatever you can lean the seat back a bit to get a bit more room 
but it doesn't turn into a bottomless pit. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. You can still get stuff out. And so I went through the effort to, you know, bob both ends of that pickup bed, swap that extra cab on. And, you know, it took some time to do, but, you know, at the time, you know, tubbed out the, the whole firewall, you know, going for fitting 38s and later got 40s on it. And, uh, you know, got the thing back on the road. Friends asked me, you know, would you do it again? Was it really worth it? Oh, yes. <laughs> anytime, anytime, 100%, no question, would absolutely do it again. Very cool. Well, Brian, I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. you. You guys had a vehicle, I guess, debuted. May not be the right word from, from what you said earlier, but uh, I really want to talk to you about this third-gen 4Runner that, that – uh, that you guys have put a ton of work into the fact that you guys are probably the one of the premier aftermarket axle housing builders you are the go-to go-to place for toyota aftermarket housings for you guys to take a third gen forerunner and choose to leave it ifs and find every way that that you could to upgrade that ifs i just found that absolutely fascinating uh would you mind talking about that for just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. Let's uh, let's start. Can you can you give the listeners just a, a brief rundown? Uh, you don't have again, don't have to get real specific, but uh, give give a brief rundown of some of the uh, some of the changes that were made and and some of the modifications that were done done to that that forerunner. Sure. Yeah. Obviously. Uh... I guess we'll start with the IFS stuff and just focus there even. We, uh, you know, have played the solid axle game, done that stuff, um, and I enjoy a solid axle rig, but we decided for a couple of reasons to to try something in the independent world. And uh, if nothing else, hey, it's a fun project for me to screw around with and see what happens. And decided to, to start tinkering. What we ended up with, of course, is that Blue Forerunner you've seen uh, and really wanted to push the limits, uh, really wanted something, um, you know, we've had guys call it a JK killer kind of thing. It's like, eh, well, whatever. It's a different breed, different animal. But, uh, you know, we said, well, you know, we, as a four-wheel drive shop, we can't build something on 33s or 35s. It's just, that's an option that's out the window. We have to come out with something that just is a bit over the top you know, if you will, for attention or, or just because people expect it, you know, it's, we can't build too sleeper of a vehicle <laughs> without, uh, without people kind of looking at you funny, like, why don't you have something flashier, bigger, faster, what have you? So what we ended up with is, uh, our own long travel suspension on there, which, uh, cycles, and quite honestly, I, I don't remember if it's 16 or 18 inches in four-wheel drive, but it will cycle that freely. There's no bind in the steering. There's no bind in the CVs. Everything turns smooth as butter. The truck is currently limited right to 11 inches of travel, and that's since we're running the 37s, and we didn't want to go too far and lose the inner fenders and start getting into that kind of thing. We didn't want to have it be a unrelatable, if you will, for, for an individual looking at something similar saying, well, gosh, this looks cool, but I don't really want to cut this much stuff. I guess this isn't really my realm. You know, so we said, well, okay, we'll just limit the suspension to 11. 
it's still better than double of what factory was. The, the next piece to the puzzle, um, or actually even with staying with the, the suspension itself, one of the goals with that was the, the long travel stuff that's currently available um, from Chaos and Kemberg and a few other companies, I want to say. Those guys, companies all build high-quality product. I've never heard anybody really, you know, little nitpicks, I guess, here and there. But for the most part, they, they do build high-quality products. We wanted something that wasn't focusing on the go-fast guy in the nice dry desert of Arizona and California. It doesn't – there's, you know, what – 48 and a half other states that don't have that environment. So we wanted stuff that would hold up under salty road conditions, constant wet weather, snow, um, what have you, all these kinds of things. And with anything, you know, you are talking a performance suspension. You are going to have a little bit increased maintenance. And quite honestly, we're trying to abuse ours as bad as we can, so we're just simply not doing any maintenance on <laughs> any of the pivots. <laughs> so, but uh, you know, we want to have something that, you know, honestly, I can hand the wife, and she can drive around, and I can, you know, she can change the oil on it every three thousand miles, and otherwise, just keep driving the thing. You know, I don't want to have to get in there and lube up uniballs and do all this different stuff. So we really played with what could we do. The other piece to that is we wanted to have something that even arguably limiting the travel, or not limiting traveling, but limiting performance, if you will. We wanted to have it be able to be upgraded in stages. So your typical long travel setup you pick up, and then you've got to jump into your coilovers and your air bumps to simply be able to drive the thing, you know, so you're, you're dropping another $2,000 just in coils, coilovers and air bumps just to have the thing functional. Now that's absolutely better performance. There's no doubt that a tuned suspension is going to blow the doors off of anything with, you know, a stock type strut. We said, you know, we need to be able to have this a little bit more affordable for a guy so he can say, man, I want to, I want to pick up this suspension. I want to enjoy the suspension. And I'm done. I'm out of money. I'm 19 years old and I'm in college and I'm out of money now. Or I'm married. I got kids. I can't spend this much right now. It's going to take me another however much, six months to get enough money to put these coilovers on. So, uh, you know, and, and then another $600 in air bumps and get someone to weld those on. So we incorporated rubber bump stops into the, into the A-arms, you know, as you limit them for whatever size tire you want to do, depending on how much you want to trim the fenders, and cool, you got a bump stop. Things at least aren't going to destroy themselves. An air bump absolutely will outperform it, but hey, we can get you in, rubber bump, no self-destruction, everything's good. Same thing with the strut. We're actually running a factory Tundra strut and coil on there. It's a much heavier coil than what was on the you know, Forerunner in the Tacomas, of course, originally. But because of the increased leverage that the longer arms have, it actually rides great. I would say it potentially even rides a little softer than than the factory Forerunners, but it's hard to tell. Things move quite a bit freer when you get rid of those, oh, I'm not sure what <laughs> what I want to call them, but the, the factory... Stubby uh, A-arms? 
Yeah, the stubby A arms and those self binding vulcanized rubber bushings um, that don't want to let the suspension move freely. You know, you can take the strut off and you still got to stomp on the A arm to have the thing move and it pong, you know, bangs right back up at you. Um, so things move freer when you when you get rid of those and you know go to poly bushings, Himes, Uniballs, all that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, we really wanted to have something that would work for those guys and actually you know worked with a a customer of ours that now lives in Colorado close to us but uh, was running some long travel stuff in Ohio. So it was great feedback from him on just you know, what problems did you run into? What kind of maintenance did you have? Did you have problems with this? Did you have problems with that? And uh, so, again, we want to have something that, you know, works for the guy in New York that's got all kinds of salty roads, you know. So uh, so a little bit different way to tackle it, and, and I've even gotten a little bit of grief from a friend of mine that lives in Southern California. It's like, what are you doing with factory struts? It's like, hey. You guys can go fast. We don't have anywhere to go fast. <laughs> you know, we don't need to go fast, and this gets people in the door. So we'll have both mounts on the on the A arms. You want to run a factory, you know, Tundra strut? Spend your 100, 150 bucks on on a set. Bolt them on, and away you go. You want to run a coilover? Cool. Use that hole instead. Off you go. So it's all about options for us. Um, kind of like the uh, building the old solid axles. You know, you have an 81 solid axle truck. You say, hey, I want to put on crossover steering. Cool. Put on crossover steering. You know, I want to upgrade my axle shafts. Boom. You put in axle shafts. You know, it's you can build it in steps, build it in stages, and it's a lot easier to, to swallow the price tag as well as, you know, cool, I can, I can do this piece, I can spend this money, and I get to enjoy it right off the bat. You know, so that's kind of really what we wanted there. The front drivetrain, of course, has been all completely changed out. Um, it was, of course, a factory. It was a seven and a half inch diff up there. It's a 26 spline axle shaft into the diff itself. What you'll find if you start tearing apart these forerunners is the ADD hubs have a 30 spline into those hubs from the factory. So the non-locking hub version. And we said, well, we got 30 spline here. Now we just need to get it everywhere else and stick a bigger diff in the thing. And so we actually used the diff from the um, 05 or, oh, sorry, 03 and later Forerunner uh, uses an 8-inch clamshell front diff. And we managed to squeeze that guy in there and built a new intermediate shaft housing all the mounts for the whole diff assembly in there to get that piece up in there uh, and then worked with RCV to get some shafts to test out so that whole front end is all an eight inch 30 spline chromoly tip to tip so it's literally the exact same strength as you know one of our diamonds with an eight inch arb and rcv shafts in it just the forerunner has an extra set of joints in it that is very cool to back up just a little bit you said that that you're you're designing this so a an individual can put it together in stages if they start out with the just the the long travel arms, what else would be at that point would be necessary other than the struts or coilovers? Are the axle shafts necessary at that point as well? Um, longer CVs are necessary at that point. 
um, but they don't need to be the RCV units. They don't need to be, we don't have to do a chromoly. They don't have to be anything crazy like that. The, um, we can actually use a factory length shaft in there and everything falls together. So if you have a guy that wants to just retain that seven and a half inch diff and says, Hey, you know, I really don't need extra drivetrain strength right now, or maybe not ever, you know, maybe they just have full wheel drive to get around to go skiing twice a year or something, but they want to enjoy the, the long travel for the rest of the time. Great. Leave the seven and a half and away you go. So again, pieces of a puzzle rather than one foul big shot. <laughs> gotcha. I'm asking these questions because it is something that I am definitely intrigued by. And uh, I have always, with, with my third gen, I'm on my third differential in the front. And uh, so I, I've, for a long time, been wondering about a way to uh, to upgrade that 7.5-inch differential. And uh, I don't intend on... I, I've, I've got 35s on mine now and have always been, you know, since I put them on there, I'm, I'm happy with that particular tire size. I don't have any ambitions to go larger than that, but I broke my differentials with 33s on it. I've gotten very lucky since I put 35s on, changed my driving style a bit and, and not had an issue, but it, it, that's something that I would still like to, uh, like to upgrade at some point. Sure, sure. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely something that we're planning to do is, you know, a guy that just wants a stronger drivetrain but is happy with uh, with their suspension. You know, maybe, you know, I'm not sure what your setup is, but a guy may be just happy with a two-inch lift just says, oh, man, I, I really just want a stronger drivetrain. Uh, you know, we get guys that are so many different walks of life. You know, they say, well, I, I use it for a hunting truck and I want to make sure that I don't blow this thing up because i gotta get after it sometimes but i don't want any extra width the trees are really tight i'd rather bang a door than have my tires stick out more so absolutely we're planning to to offer the eight inch diff in a format that uh would work with a stock length cv and and go into you know basically a stock suspension in that case speaking of of added width how much wider does does the uh the long travel arms how much wider does that make the front you know, that's a question I, I tend to kind of dodge, quite honestly. Um, and the, the reason is, is the angle of the arms, it doesn't exactly equate to, you know, if you, if you add a certain amount to the length of the arm, it doesn't add that much width to the track of the vehicle. I got gotcha. you. So um, it's quite honestly, I, I actually asked uh, Harry, the individual that wrote the article, I said, hey, can you kind of leave this out or leave it a little vague because <laughs> it gets difficult to to convey it without people kind of almost shutting down so the the arms are built in such a length that they will use tundra uh axle shafts in a seven and a half inch diff format which of course is three and a half inch longer per side now once you take into the account the angle that the arms sit at at about a three to three and a half inch lift that our forerunner sits at it only works out to about a four or five inch track width gain over factory. So a lot of times people hear, oh, it's three and a half inches, you know, longer arms. Oh, that must mean seven inch wider track. Holy cow, that thing's huge. No, it's really not. We're not that much wider, you know, gosh, uh, 
two inches maybe over a guy, say like yourself with 35s and potentially say an inch and a quarter wheel spacer or so in there. So well, that's a little a, bit that, more than that, but that's not exactly, by a ton. That's exactly what I'm running right now. So a, a little bit over that would not bother me, bother me in the least. That this this is. Uh, I hope the uh, hope the listeners are enjoying this information as much as I am because I, I I think that the the whole idea of this, like I said uh, a little while ago, the the whole idea of this I find very very cool that somebody has finally decided to figure out a way to beef this thing up a little bit and, and to uh, to make it better and essentially keep the uh, the same same design just improve on it. Sure. Yeah, and we, we uh, kind of the theme of the build, if you will, has been to not compromise on anything. You know, the uh, the factory sway bar is retained in that vehicle and has, you know, we just did some disconnects for it, which quite honestly will be probably offering sway bar disconnects again. We did uh, several years ago, and just due to lack of demand, we were busy with axles, that kind of thing. We dropped the disconnects, um, gosh, probably eight years ago. Um, and now we're looking, since we're back in playing with the IFS stuff again, um, there, uh, there's a demand there for them. So we're looking to bring, bring some units out that are, you know, easy to, to disconnect, reconnect, and not rattle and clang around under there. So we really want to have something that, uh, you know, you can just hand the, the wife and here, yeah, go drive it. Have fun, babe. Don't, you know, you don't have to give them a 20 minute safety lesson on, well, you can't take turns that fast because there's no sway bars. Sure. You can't drive like this. And, you know, um, it's, it's kind of funny. I've, I've got two foreigners that are nearly identical. Um, they're a different color, but other than that, the, the entire interior is identical. Same same cloth, same pattern to it and all. And um, so we'd alternate, if you will. You know, well, we'll drive this one now. and We'll drive that one and go do some errands or whatnot. And a couple of times I caught my wife or my daughter more or less falling out of the truck because they were expecting it to be, you know, six or seven inches shorter because it doesn't ride any different than factory. It doesn't handle any different. There's no odd characteristics to it kind of thing. So they go to step out and, <laughs> oh, hey, the ground's a little bit further than right. I was thinking. <laughs> so uh, I'd get a chuckle out of that. So, but I mean, it was... One of the goals was, uh, you know, we want to be able to hand the keys off to, you know, one of my friend, you know, one of my daughter's, you know, friend's parents kind of thing. Here, go take it for a spin and looking for the reaction of, okay, so what was I supposed to notice? That, that <laughs> if is, that's the reaction, that's that's absolutely exactly what we want. Well, the, the listeners are probably bored with me talking about it, but I've actually, the last, uh, last couple of months, I've been... My goal is to get my Forerunner. I've said it over and over and over again. Back where it's more drivable. I have kind of neglected the suspension on it over the years, and it's just gotten really loose and really floppy and almost scary to drive on the road. And so I I have went through and and uh, new coil springs in the rear, new shocks in the rear, and new links and and uh, doing some some work on the front to not so much to to stiffen it up off road, but just to, to give it some road manners again because it definitely hasn't had any for a while so that aspect of, of where you're trying to go is uh is right up my alley i uh, i just i look forward to you guys getting this stuff on the market and uh saving my pennies so so i can get into as as much of it as i possibly can anyway 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we're hoping to have the the suspension out here fairly soon. So we're we're trying to finalize all the little little details and nitty gritty things to to make production go nice and smoothly and and uh, everything fit up just so and all that. So we're we're getting very close. We're getting really excited. <laughs> well, I, I I'm right there with you, and I I will be uh, be following along, just patiently waiting. So. <laughs> Uh, just know you've got one fan already. So, <laughs> well, then we're doing something right. <laughs> um, real quick, Brian, in, in an effort to, uh, I, I, I appreciate all the time today and, and I don't want to tie you up a whole lot longer, but I want to get as much information out of, uh, about this forerunner as I can. And, uh, if you wouldn't mind run, run through, I know you guys did some transmission, uh, swapping around in it and some transfer case work and that kind of stuff. If you could just, uh, can you do a real brief overview of that kind of stuff that you did to, to this particular truck? Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the transmission in it is actually dead stock. The, uh, the transfer case kind of was a, almost an offshoot from the, the IFS. Um, it more or less caused us to start screwing around with the, uh, the transfer case into things and get into a dual case type setup. Um, obviously we needed some reduction to go in there. And uh, what we ended up with in it, I guess what we're, <laughs> what we're shooting to, to finish out is kind of what I'll run over first, which is bringing out what we've uh, friendlyly called our crawl case, uh, which will be a, a new tr- uh, dual transfer case setup coming to the market, attacking that animal a bit differently than anybody else has with a quieter, stronger setup that's actually shorter as well. So it's kind of a a win-win-win sort of situation. And with that, we'll be mating up to factory transfer case stuff so that you retain all the the normal functionality. In ours, we actually decided to screw around a little bit and to really be able to to show off the IFS and what what we've pulled off in in drivetrain strength-wise. We said, well, we want to do front digs, which, of course, front only um, in this, which you just don't do with an IFS vehicle that the front end just doesn't survive that under normal circumstances. We said, well, we really want to turn some heads and do some of that kind of stuff. And, uh, it, it gets people scratching their heads. So it's, it's really, it's really kind of fun on the trail. Um, so we've got actually a Dana 300 as our rear transfer case. So, which has worked out really nicely. It's, uh, it's not as elegant of a transfer case certainly as, what came in the Forerunner, but uh, it was literally just done for this vehicle, just for the the front wheel drive aspect of it, and uh, so. But we'll be bringing that out. Actually, the first format that we'll bring it out in is going to be dropping in uh, and retaining the factory transfer case on the back end. Um, so it'll be. Uh, gosh, I want to say by the time we release it, we should have everything from 96 to current covered as far as uh, foreigners, Tacomas, FJ Cruisers. Um, we'll have setups for all of those pretty much right off the bat. Very cool. Well, we will uh, we will be sure and follow that along too because that's, uh, that's something very interesting for, for all of us. I know I, I swapped mine to a five-speed right about a year ago, I guess, and I, I love the five-speed. It has offered so much more versatility than the automatic did, but, man, I really wish at times that I, I had the option of some lower transfer case gears. And uh, 
at the moment with things the way they are that there are options out there that are just not uh, anywhere near my budget so sure yeah and we wanted to bring out a unit that we could uh, you know we could set someone up with it was very very strong the gears that we're actually using are based out of a one-ton drivetrain um, and they're quiet so um, that's one piece of feedback we got back you know, almost 15 years ago when we built our Tacoma, it was, of course, a, a dual transfer case set up in that and uh, using the old gear case in there. And we'd get uh, a lot of people commenting, you know, yeah, I, I did one of those. I'm just, it's it's noisy. It's rattly. It's this, it's that. And, and to me, it wasn't too much of a surprise. It started with old 85 trucks. So it's, you know, you have a gear drive case. It makes a certain amount of noise. Sure. And uh, I never really noticed it, quite honestly. And uh, but it's something we've started to to pick up a little feedback here and there, and and whatnot. And part of it's simply inherent to adding another gearbox. Um, you know, you I would expect some uh, increased gear noise, but you know, so we're hoping to bring out something that that keeps people's ears a lot happier, and as well, just simply fits inside the trucks and. It gets that drivetrain all, all happy and yeah, it absolutely. Uh, lower gears with a five-speed, uh, the foreigner that I've got, I'm a, I'm a huge manual fan, and and so that was, you know, I know what level of trail I want to play on, and I know what level of trail this truck will be and needs to be capable of. Well, it's not happening with a single case. Yeah, mine, mine. Uh, something tells me I will be uh, replacing the the clutch very very prematurely uh, <laughs> just just because of that lack of gearing but uh, I'll get it there and and with with uh, guys like you in the aftermarket helping things along um, there's gonna be some awesome products available at, at uh, some point and I will capitalize on them when they are sure sure yeah the we're figuring that we're probably going to be releasing the uh, the suspension and the the dual transfer case stuff should be uh, shortly thereafter. So we've got a lot of a lot of this stuff is so close. It's <laughs> it's <laughs> aggravating sometimes. We're just holy cow, we're so close, and we finally had to say, okay, what what do we have to do? We've got so many things on our plate. We have to just start picking some of these and finishing them up, knocking them out, getting them out there. Because otherwise we're just going to keep piting little bits and pieces off of so many of these different things. We've always had R&D going on, but quite honestly, not to this level and not to this kind of variety. Um, I never would have anticipated we would have that the, the Foreigner project would have more or less spawned so many different things. So we finally got our, our skid plates, you know, the whole IFS plates that go from bumper to back a transfer case. Um, we finally got those released here just two weeks ago, week and a half ago, something like that. And uh, so it was okay. We need to just concentrate, get these plates out, get them done, get them finished, <laughs> get them available, get them out there. We got guys asking for them. We can get this one knocked out we, without specialty tooling and all the other stuff right. that we need for some of right. these things. Let's get this one out. You know, so. Oh, very, very cool. And, and Brian, I know I've repeated myself over and over and over again, but it, I, I am just really enamored by this project that you guys got going and i so look forward to uh to seeing with what 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 you what you guys do with it in the future and and the refinements that that come with it and that kind of stuff 
uh, it is uh, definitely one that I'm keeping my eye on. Sure. Well, good. Then, <laughs> then like I said, we were doing something right. <laughs> so you know, as long as we got people, you know, scratching their heads and looking and, and excited about it and that kind of thing, then uh, I think we kind of hit the nail on the head with the direction we took on this thing. Well, like I said, you've, you've got one fan for sure, and I'm sure there are more, more out there than that. So, but again, in an effort not to tie you up any longer than, than necessary here, would you mind giving out any ways that people can get, get in contact with y'all or, or email address or, or Facebook and that kind of stuff? Um, if they're, they're interested in what, what you guys got going on? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, we've actually been doing the whole social media thing here for, well, I don't even think we've been on it about a year. We're, we're kind of slow to that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, the websites, of course, uh, you've got frontrangeoffroadfab.com. Uh, then, of course, diamondaxle.com. Um, Facebook, I'm on, well, gosh, there's pages for both Front Range Off-Road and Diamond Axle on there. Uh, the Front Range page tends to be quite a bit more active. I'm personally on there under Gosh, I think it's Brian Front Range Off-Road. I think Front and Range are one word because it, you know, thinks it's my first, middle, and last name. <laughs> so <laughs> had to kind of disguise that one a little bit. Um, that's a great way to get a hold of us for sure. Obviously, Facebook messages, any of the emails. The uh, You can email uh, Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at frontrangeoffroadfab.com dot com and even just general questions sometimes i don't get to my personal inbox that that often as i'd like um but our general inbox definitely something comes in that i need to address i get a tug on the sleeve hey you need to talk to this guy okay <laughs> um and that's just our our info you know info at front range com. so all those avenues certainly work um we're on instagram as front range off-road i don't know if there's a i think you can only just reply to to posts on there and whatnot um so but uh it's a you know i'm i kind of drag my feet on on adopting some of the social media type stuff but it's actually been really great for getting some some pictures out and that kind of thing things that are going on that really don't have a good place to fit on the website itself it's and so I'm finding the websites are really, you know, they're like a, a formal dinner kind of thing. And there's certain things that go there. And right. other times there's just not a place for them. There's nowhere to put, you know, hey, we recently went out goofing off and playing on this trail. Here's a couple pictures from it. And so Facebook's actually been really nice for that. Yeah, and, so, uh, social media definitely has its place. And uh, I'm with you. I struggle on almost a daily basis to... Uh, to figure out how to maintain it and keep stuff updated and that kind of stuff. But, uh, for yeah, old, it's, it's for, a different kind of thing for an old guy like me. It's uh, it's been a challenge, but I'm getting there anyway. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can, I could handle emailing pictures a while ago. So I guess this is the next step, you know, <laughs> so, right. but, uh, yeah, in the world of smartphones, it's, it's so easy to deal with that kind of stuff. So, sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we did, gosh, anymore we get quite a few uh, Facebook messages, I think, just because people are, you know, they're on there and, and uh, you know, with their phone in between, you know, five-minute break at work or what have you. And uh, they can shoot a quick message where it's a bit, 
bit more cumbersome to jump in there and jump in and log into their email and all that kind of thing. So right, it's uh, it's been a good it's been a good thing. It's allowed us to, um, you know, because of how we're we're formatted, if you will, you know, we don't have customers rolling in and out, dropping their trucks on, picking them up, that kind of thing. So it's it's given us a lot more FaceTime type thing aspect relationship if you will with our customers which has been it's fun it's it's neat to see builds you know we get so many different guys so many different avenues of of projects and interests and whatnot so now you can actually see oh that's what you're doing you know and uh we get a bit sparse we you know we love getting emails from customers but you know this is a picture of what i'm building where your product went on here you know, this last trail run, this kind of thing. It's, it's fun for us. You know, it's, we're living vicariously through them the same way they live vicariously through, through our adventures. So it's, uh, it's always neat to see. And, and, uh, the Facebook aspect, as much as I drug my feet on, <laughs> on getting into that, um, it, it's, it's really been nice for that kind of thing. It, it really let that, that kind of thing flourish. So, yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I deal with it exactly the same way. So, Brian, we, we really appreciate all the time that you've spent with us and talking to us and, and that kind of stuff. And look forward to having you back if, if you would be interested in coming back on when you guys start getting some of these products launched. If At the very least, uh, if you uh, if you want to get a hold of me, and, and I'll be sure to, to mention it on the show and get the word out that... Uh, that you guys are getting some of this stuff on the shelf and up for sale. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's been, uh, it's been fun. It's this, I, I like this show. This is cool. So it, uh, yeah, we'll certainly keep in touch on that. Yeah. We'll be, we'll be definitely getting this stuff out pretty dang soon and <laughs> getting, getting it stacked up on the shelf, pulled off the machines and, and that kind of thing. So. All righty. Well, I, I will uh, I will let you go, and uh, we will just stay in touch. That sounds great, sir. All right, thank you. All right, thank you. You have a good rest of your day. Okay, I, once again, want to thank Brian for uh, for taking some time and talking to us a little bit and filling us in and giving us an idea of what's going on with front range off road. They've definitely got a lot of things in the works. They're going to, uh, going to be doing some uh, instructional videos and, and that kind of stuff on how to install some of their parts and that kind of stuff. And it's going to be really interesting. We'll, we'll keep you all updated on what's going on. Brian said that he would, uh, would get a hold of us and let us know when he's got that, that all up and operational and that kind of thing. So, We'll let y'all know, but if, if you guys haven't heard of Front Range or haven't ever haven't ever checked them out, give them a look. See, they they are a uh, they're a great company and and uh, got a lot of a lot of great products for for the Toyota community. What you say, Rich? Huh? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, I'm engrossed in uh, in user uh, listener submissions here. Um, <clears throat> well, let, but, let, uh, let let's get into that. Let's get into listener feedback. So we've got some nice, uh, nice submissions from some listeners this week. Uh, they're all FJ cruisers. So um, one is uh, looks like it's a two wheel drive. Tim Sledderink 
Tim, did I mangle your last name? I apologize if I did. Uh, from Washington, uh, showing us his uh, two-wheel drive FJ Cruiser flexed out on the trail. Uh, another one is uh, <laughs> Sean Pat. Looks like he's bailing his uh, his FJ Cruiser out of a uh, somewhat deep uh, mud mud hole he's stuck in. I would say that actually looks like a small pond. Hope that worked out okay, Sean, and I I, uh, I hope your ABS system is still in good working order after that. <laughs> and last but not least, uh, David Stanessa of uh, the uh, Colorado group, who we, we're working on redoing an interview with. We had done an interview with the Colorado group and had a technical problem and lost the whole interview, so we're, you can look forward to that uh, coming, coming up. Uh, we've been trying to arrange our schedules to redo that meeting. But he's got a great picture uh, of his FJ, his very nicely built FJ Cruiser uh, on, on top of a mountain in Colorado. Uh, and you can see all these on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash TTAT podcast. We need to go back through that. And a lot of these that people have kind of submitted for the, the listener rides deal, get all those moved over to one post so people can just check out that one one album and see all these all these pictures and uh, once again this week folks we're trying to let things uh build up a little bit i guess before we we continue on with the uh listener rides contest but we have not forgot about it so those of you that have have sent in pictures and want to see that little contest that we we did there for a few weeks keep going it's going to keep going we just <laughs> have to uh Rich and I have to do a better job of focusing in on it, but we uh, we will be we, we will be getting back to it and really enjoy the pictures, um, regardless of whether the contest is going on. So you, you guys keep sending them in. Should we Should we pick a winner today? Oh, we can. I I picked one when you weren't here one week. So if you want to hmm. pick a winner, pick a winner. Chicken should I dinner. pick between Stanessa, Pat, and Sletterink? Hmm. Let's see. I don't know. Sean, Sean, certainly he, he, he worked hard to, to bail himself out of that mud pit, but Tim, uh, Tim's got a two wheel drive. <laughs> you know, I, I'm glad that you pointed that out, that that was a two wheel drive. Cause he commented on that, that 99% of people wouldn't figure out what made his different. And I definitely fit in that 99%. So, uh, interesting thing about some of some, not all, of the two-wheel drive FJ cruisers that were produced, um, a bunch of them have a rear locker. So, you know, you can still have a ton of fun in a two-wheel drive with a rear locker. On. Sure. Um, but all that aside, um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think uh, I think anybody that has the, uh, the stones to take a two-wheel drive out and flex it out the way uh, Tim is doing it uh, on this trail. I, I think he, he, he's the winner. I think he deserves a sticker for this one. All righty. Well, Sean, you're going to have to find a deeper mud puddle next time. I'm sorry, buddy. We will. Uh, you're still in the running. As long as you got a, as long as you got a picture here, you're, you're in the, That's in true. the mix. So we, we, we should probably get a better drawing system. Like, I don't know, flip a coin or something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it is what it is. We're... Or just do it freaking randomly. <laughs> <laughs> All the names in the hat. <clears throat> Speaking of stickers, uh, for those of you that are going to Appalachian 
Toyota Roundup, uh, uh, which is the first weekend in September. It's just a few weeks away. Uh, we'll be there, and we will have stickers and patches. Yes, patches for sale, and uh, you know, I'm sure we'll just uh, chuck a few out for the heck of it. Um, and I, do we have any t-shirts left? We do. I'm getting a little limited in some sizes, but we've, we've still got lots of t-shirts. So, so definitely, uh, definitely check in with us there. See, see about getting yourself some, some swag. And if you can do cool party tricks, uh, you might even, uh, you might even win something. What's a cool party trick. What would impress us? Really? I'm a pretty, pretty simple guy. So it probably wouldn't take a whole lot. Um, yeah. I, w- I would say I would definitely say bring your best party tricks and and uh, you know meet us around the campfire and see what you, we'll see you know just please don't hurt yourself or anyone else right but if you do or if you plan on hurting yourself or anyone else give us some advance notice so we can get the camera rolling sure we would we want vi- we want video we uh, we need some good content for our uh, YouTube page. Or yeah, our YouTube channel, so. our our empty YouTube, YouTube channel that we promised three episodes ago that we were going to start doing something with that still isn't done. But I actually have to just click the upload button. Well, aren't you on the ball? Except you haven't clicked it yet because there's still nothing there. It. I'm so I'm I'm a little bit on the but I'm catching up. <clears throat> well, hopefully everybody understands. And we are not without fault at Toyota Trucks and Trailers. That's right. We do the. We do the best we can. So, with, with with the little we have to work with. That's, that's, that's right. That's right. This is all they gave us. <sighs> if it was only a paying gig, <laughs> I can't say things that get done any faster. <laughs> Maybe not. Wish, wishful thinking. All righty. Well, Rich, um, we we're going to have a terribly long interview or terribly long show again. Are are we? About ready to wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm done apologizing for the long show. So I, yeah, you know, it, you, you all got a play, a, a pause, and a play button. You sure, know, and you can figure out how to work that stuff. All righty. Well, you got a fast forward button too. So um, if, you, <laughs> if you want to fast forward through through all the contact info that you've heard, you know, seventeen or sixteen times, go ahead. But for the new listeners, if you if you want to get in contact with us, you can do so at our. Uh, at our website, toyotatrucksandtrails.com, you can send us a message or an email, pardon me, to uh, toyotatrucksandtrails at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Facebook slash TTAT Podcast. We are on Instagram at Toyota Trucks and Trails Podcast. Anything else, Rich? I think that's it. Did we get the carrier pigeon and smoke signal options in there? No. Um, the, the carrier pigeons keep getting lost, and I don't know how to read smoke signals so um that that must be what that smell is when i turn the defroster on uh, good chance good chance what <laughs> <laughs> one more thing that i want to add folks when, when you go to uh to amazon please go to our website toyotatrucksandtrails.com and click on our amazon link and shop through our our link it uh Amazon gives us a little bit of a kickback on everything you buy. It doesn't cost you anything extra, just the added step of having to go to our website first. If you bookmark that unique URL, then you won't have to go back to the website, and it'll still work. But but we we would really appreciate it. And uh, another thing that we'd really, really appreciate is 
If you listen on iTunes, please go to iTunes and subscribe, rate, and review. We uh, the the ratings and reviews and, and and the subscribers really help us get noticed uh, through Google searches, among other things. So uh, if uh, if you could do that, it means a lot to us, and uh, we we'd really appreciate it. Uh, for those of you that are uh, having trouble seeing the Amazon link in your web browser. Um, you may want to make an exception in your ad blocking software to allow our website to show you ads. Uh, ad blocking software will block the Amazon ad on our uh, website, and that's probably why you can't see it. All right. All right. Any, anything else, Rich? No, no, no. All righty. Well, this this will finish up episode 17. Uh, we talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the episode. I'm not 100% sure whether we will get another one out. I can't think that far ahead whether we will have another episode out before uh, Appalachian Toyota Roundup. But if we do not, we look forward to, uh, I know there's going to be a, a lot of listeners there. We look forward to meeting you all. And don't don't be shy. Uh, come up and introduce yourself. Rich and I, we will be there and, and uh, look just look forward to meeting as many many listeners as we can while we're there. So, yeah, we look forward to meeting it. Uh, I'm the friendly one. Jason's, he's grumpy. That's so. right. That's right. But I'll That's be how nice. you'll know us. I'll, I'll be nice. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you show up with barbecued or grilled meat products and beer. Absolutely. Just, just then he gets a lot happier. I don't know what it is. It, it's just one of those things. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, uh if we get another episode out, we'll do this again. If not, we look forward to, to seeing everybody there. Rich, anything else? No, let's go home. All righty. Folks, everybody, thanks for listening. We, we really appreciate it. Just want to say, as usual, however you go about it, get out and enjoy your Toyota. Mm-hmm.